Welcome to Recruit Through the Whistle. Now, welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by C.J. Vogel. Uh, they are indeed recruiting through the whistle uh, right now. Texas still trying to get possibly two more pledges today, maybe even a third if uh, a portal guy decides. Uh, Longhorns and Steve Sarkeesian burning the midnight oil, uh, trying to finish out this recruiting class in a, uh, with a real bang. Uh, this episode of On Texas Football, the live stream on Friday, brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. We appreciate him and his sponsorship. Uh, let's uh, let look, CJ, I'm going to let you go down what all is going on in recruiting right now because it's it's coming down to the wire. Yeah, absolutely is. Now, there we go. What, yeah, yeah, you're back. You're You're live now. Name the players that Texas is still recruiting and what's going on with them right now for today. Yeah, Aaron Butler out of Calabasas, California, the wide receiver. Texas is, you know, it, it appears is right down to the nick of things with uh, Washington for that recruitment as well, as we've seen with his father's, you know, public tweeting of, uh, of his recruitment last week or uh, last night, excuse me. And then obviously D'Alen Evans, who did not sign with AM uh, on the initial signing day on Wednesday, is in the communication, in the you know, kind of on the fence right now between Texas and AM and what he plans to do. It could be signing today, it could be pushing off, it could be uh, you know, a whole mix of things for Dalen Evans and obviously uh UTSA Edge Trey Moore, who you've been, you know, all over the place or all on top of uh Bobby with his recruitment. A, a decision could come as early as this weekend, and Texas and Alabama fighting, you know, toe-to-toe for the talented edge out of UTSA with uh, San Antonio ties there. So a lot going on, and that does not even include Dominic Terry Bussey, uh, the portal wide receiver maybe that Texas could pursue as well, and uh, Alex Foster out of Mississippi as well. So like you said, the midnight oil is burning, and the, and the Texas staff is still hard at work here. Yeah, they, they really are. I, I think that you look at it, and I got a couple main things to add to it. Uh, Butler has not given a time for his announcement. Let's talk about that because timing is, is important. D'Alen Evans, we believe, is going to be late afternoon, uh, but no definitive time either. Uh, one thing to add on D'Alen Evans, he's talked to Texas coaching staff multiple times today, multiple members of the coaching staff. Uh, but, of course, communication remains open with him and Texas A&M as well. So that's not, a, that's a, not necessarily indicative of where that recruitment's going. Uh, and then uh, Trey Moore is trying to decide by this weekend, uh, and we'll see exactly what that means for him uh, in the future right now as well. All right, we're going to take y'all's questions today, talk about recruiting and finishing up this recruiting class. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit of team news. Uh, CJ, I want you to start uh, a little surprise in the secondary for the Longhorns, according to, to you. Uh, tell folks what you're hearing about Texas and the secondary as far as their preparation for Washington. Yeah, as we know, I mean, Texas is very shorthanded in the secondary, specifically at safety with Jalen Catalan entering the portal. Uh, B.J. Allen has departed. You know, Larry Turner Gooden is looking for a new home as well. Uh, and despite continuing to practice with the team, you know, Texas is looking to get some guys with uh, on-field experience, more reps in the safety uh, position as they head into the Washington game. Jade Barron is a name that was passed on to me this morning in terms of getting reps at safety. I'm not sure if it's going to be a full-time move to safety. It, I, I think it's very unlikely. Obviously, we've seen how talented he is uh, by the line of scrimmage. And, you know, 
with with Jade, it, it, the closer he is to the football, I think is you know kind of bringing out the most in him, uh, you know, impact wise. But he has been getting reps, has been getting time at safety this week in practice, and that of course stems from Derek Williams set to miss the first half of the uh, the semifinal against Washington due to a targeting call against Oklahoma State. So interesting development, something we'll watch. I I'm, I I think it's a good move. Obviously, Jalen Gilbo has you know some experience at. At star right there. Obviously, when you go into those big packages as well, Maurice uh, Blackwell is more than you know capable of playing in that box as well. Yeah, interestingly to me, um, it, it does give Texas another uh, versatile player to put back there in case uh, Washington's really throwing it well. I will add, don't forget that Jade Barron has also played corner. Yes, um, and so he's clearly the high IQ guy in that in that secondary that they think. Uh, CJ can manage all of those different position uh, position things uh, as well. Uh, my my take on it is uh, with Derek Williams out, they have to be trained up because you don't want to have to put somebody out there that really hasn't played much uh, in case of uh, emergency. Uh, but you know, pretty typical for them to try to uh, Pete Kwiatkowski and, and Steve Sarkeesian to try to make sure all their bases are covered uh, at this time. Uh, all right, uh, we've got time for questions. If you all want comments, you have want to talk a little recruiting, you want to talk a little team news before we get going, we're going to get out right – we're going to be done today right at the top of the hour. Uh, so it'll go right into two. Hopefully, Aaron Butler makes his decision in the next 40 minutes, guys. Uh, hopefully that happens. Uh, my my thinking is right now we don't have a clue – we don't have a clear time frame on Butler. Uh, Evans, I think it's going to be late afternoon. More – it sounds like is going to be this weekend based on what I was told uh, this morning, just to reiterate uh, for everybody as well. Uh, before we get into the questions and, and discussions, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. That sponsor is Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, if you're interested in getting into the fran- franchise game, want to start the new year with a new business, uh, give Andy and his group a call, 404-973-9901, or email him at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. That's 404-973-9901. Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. All right, let's get to some questions, guys, uh, and uh, start talking a little football. Longhorns uh, still favored in this game against uh, uh, Washington. But, CJ, uh, the more you think about it, the more you talk with myself, Rod, and other people and what you're hearing behind the scenes, how do you really see the uh, Texas-Washington game playing out? You know, it's fun because I, I, I think this also was a mindset that not only was in the Texas Tech game, but obviously the Oklahoma State game. When you give Texas some sort of bulletin board material, they come with a chip on their shoulder. And we obviously are aware of, you know, your remarks, remarks in terms of uh, Texas Tech getting the job done in Austin. What Joey McGuire has said previously as well in terms of, you know, the, the whole conference runs through Lubbock and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but I think we're looking at it now, and this is this is just based off of what we've seen the last two weeks. Washington has won the Joe Moore Award this past weekend. That goes to the best offensive line in all of college football. Head coach, uh, Kalen DeBoer, also named AP National Coach of the Year. We saw what Steve Sarkeesian just did to the Big 12 Coach of the Year. I think there's going to be extra focus, extra bulletin board material. That's not been something these uh, this team has shied away from. And it's, you know, kind of given me that extra confidence, I want to say, in terms of when these these guys are set to kick off on the field. Obviously, I, 
uh, the game last year, and I've brought this up before, it just didn't feel like a game under Steve Sarkeesian that we've seen in the last three years. You know, it just didn't have that vibe. Only three first-half points. Quinn Ewers threw the ball 47 times, and the running game was non-existent. That complimentary balance that he, you know, is so proud of and loves to emphasize about his offense was non-existent. And I don't know, Bobby, if there's been another time like that, maybe TCU in 2022, where you can really point to and say, you know, there just wasn't any sort of balance offensively. And I have to think that you can look back at that game and maybe look at specific players, but the theme overall of what those two teams showed, I think you have to throw them out the window. I think it'll be a completely brand new game. Uh, And as a result, I love what Texas has in the front seven. I love what they bring to the table in terms of stopping the run and also the speed in that front seven, I think is something that was, you know, a a, a large, uh, I guess it was largely missing from last year's game. If you, you know, if you watch that back. So I like where Texas is in that front seven. And I think that's the edge that they need going into this game uh, January 1st. Yeah, here's another one that I want to get to to people and make sure people see and know this. Uh, This one from Forrest Eldridge. Hey, fellas, has Sark addressed any questions about the DE for Washington? Zach Zach Durfee is his name that just became eligible as far as impact or whatnot. He has not addressed that publicly, although privately I know that the staff is very aware of Zach Durfee and done some – uh, recon, et cetera. That doesn't mean that uh, they necessarily have a game plan or what have you for them, but they're definitely aware of Zach Durfee, uh, et cetera. Uh, and uh, that will be somebody that they're looking for uh, on uh, New Year's Day m- m- week. Man, it's just 10 days from today. That's just crazy to me. Texas playing in uh, the uh, national championship playoff uh, a week from Monday. All right, Hector Perez asks, what's the probability we get a commit today? I'm going to go with right at 50-50 because I think I, I, Aaron Butler was described to me as 50-50 this morning. D'Alen Evans, I don't really have a great feel for. I mean, he's been committed to AM for more than a year, but clearly has been attracted to Texas in the last month or so, or last two or three weeks or so, CJ. And then Trey Moore, I don't if if he were to commit today, I I think that's a 50-50 proposition right now, too. I know a lot of people think that's a shoe-in for Texas, but I'm I'm told that that's not necessarily the case. So add all that together, I'm thinking 50-50. Does that does that sound right? I mean, we're on pins and needles here. Believe us. I mean, we're we're waiting for these things to happen. Uh, but right now we just don't know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm no math major here, Bobby. And you know, <laughs> when it comes to finding the probability of of three individual, you know, you know, results, actions, whatever it is. I I don't have the math to to go in and find the probabilities specifically, but I do like what you said, you know, for these three guys who are all nearing decisions, whether it be today or by this weekend, Texas is right in the thick of things. And if you want to go to the, the specific odds on where Texas is sitting, I think all three of them – you know, you got to like the coin flip chances Texas has in all three. So 50-50 sounds great to me. I I think, you know, especially today, action will be happening. All right. Uh, any word on this from River Oaks Art Society? Any word on Evan Stewart? You had something you texted with him last night. What's the what's going on there? Yeah, I, I spoke speci- or directly to Evan Stewart this week. Uh, he said he has not heard from Texas. And, he you know, his belief is that they are preparing for uh, the the – college football playoff basically. And so 
while it, on paper, again, it makes perfect sense to Texas to pursue Evan Stewart. Right now, there's not yet been communication in the sense that they want to uh, fully go after Evan at the moment. I know he has spoken to Alabama, among others. I think Oregon's going to be a team to watch uh, there yeah. as well. All right, uh, have some more news and notes here. Uh, this one's an interesting from uh, Stoneman. How does the LSU OC Mike Denbrock leaving for Notre Dame affect both Terry Bussey and DeCorian Moore, the, the junior wide receiver out of uh, Duncanville that is uh, likely one of the state's top handful of prospects for next year? Uh, I don't know about Bussey. Uh, I have not followed that recruitment clo closely enough. I think that it'll put all kinds of issues with LSU's uh, commitments for 2025. It's a little bit different when you have a year out to look at it. Not that Moore wasn't going to look around anyways, uh, but Denbrock look, leaving for Notre Dame. I don't see DeCorey and Moore going to Notre Dame, for example. Uh, but I do think that the, the uh, prodigious numbers uh, they put up in Baton Rouge, winning a Heisman Trophy with Jay Daniels, uh, Malik Neighbors, all those receivers that uh, LSU had, that was probably attractive to just about anybody and everybody that was interested there uh, with uh, the, the OC leaving. He actually turned down the same job at A&M, by the way, I'm told. Um, leaving, you will know uh, later, sooner rather than later, what exactly is going on with Bussy, uh, And then more, I still think that's just a year away from signing altogether uh, right now. All right, uh, have some time for more questions. Please get them in. Uh, this is the Friday afternoon live stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by C.J. Vogel. Rod Babers is on his way to his parents' house in Houston. He told me to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Uh, he'll be on a little bit later tonight. we got a couple of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, pre-recorded shows that we're going to do uh, for you guys. Uh, make sure you guys get some uh, content uh, as the, the, the weekend goes on and, and can be able to uh, be around the team. I'm not sure if everybody uh, heard his and uh, Bob Shipley's uh, football theory last night, but that was good. a really, really good conversation you might want to check out as well. All right, uh, let's keep going here, CJ, if you got a second, and we'll uh, we'll see what we can do uh, as far as uh, some more questions at the long about the Longhorns. Here we go. Uh, MJF, who would Trey Moore take snaps from? We have a lot of talented young DEs that either played last year or or are up and coming. Um, that's a good that's a good question. They're recruiting him at Buck. Now Buck is the strong side boundary, uh, not the strong side, the weak side boundary edge. So that's that's that part. Uh, it is currently manned by Ethan Burke, uh, backed up by Justice Finkley. Although Justice Finkley was the primary backup on both sides. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he was the first man off the bench, no matter who it was for. Uh, I Look, my take on that is I think they're going to try to do the same as they did this year and give 30, 30 snaps to four different guys. Yeah. That's, that's my take. So it's not really that he's taking it away from. If it's anybody, it might be somebody like Colton Vosick, uh, Jamon Tapp, although I think Tapp is – is getting ready to really come on this year. You have any thoughts on that about who he might take uh, reps away from? Yeah, no, I think it, it won't necessarily be a taking away. It'll just be more of a split. And I think this is beneficial in the sense that we see it with the defensive line and at the safeties. When these guys are on the field, as, as long as they are, especially when you're rushing the passer, it wears you down. I mean, you get exhausted. There are times when you look around and see, you know, guys like Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy who are on the field for five, six, seven plays in a row at times. 
you know, kind of huffing and puffing. That's a tough thing to do in the trenches when you're also going up against a guy that's 330 pounds continually uh, over and over again. And I think this is one of those things, Bobby, where you talk about the depth and the importance of getting good talent on the field that can create impactful plays. This is just another step in that. You want to have that second or third guy at the end position still be able to get to the quarterback and get home. And that really hasn't been what Texas has had over the last couple of seasons. So I think it's encouraging in the sense that they want to build this position up because this is a position that makes a lot of money in the NFL and it makes a lot of difference in a lot of ball games. Uh, another one from MJF here. We have three portals players still practicing with the team. You've reported that. Uh, it was confirmed you reported that earlier this week. Then it was confirmed by Steve Sarkeesian at his press conference. Casey Kane, Larry Turner Gooden, uh, and also uh, Sawyer Gorham Welch. All three of those guys still practicing with the team. So why couldn't Malik Murphy do the same? I think he needed st to start having contact and focus on visiting elsewhere, having more integrated contact. But let's put it this way, too. If Texas were to win on uh, when the college football playoff the first game then they go to the next game and then he has no time to actually even visit other schools so i feel like it was a timing concern the guy i mean literally the guy actually broke down a little bit when he had to when he had to uh when he had to transfer so i don't think it was a it, it wasn't a want to it was a hey this is the way it has to be you yeah. agree with that cj yeah no it's extremely unfortunate for malik and I mean, we've seen it all over social media. We saw it on Twitter. You know, just the outpouring of, of you know, uh, appreciation from the Texas uh, team, basically, was, you know, really telling in terms of how well they, you know, received Malik Murphy, how much they appreciated being a teammate of his. Uh, it, it, it is unfortunate because this is one of those, one of those moments as a college athlete where you'll remember your run to the – the national title for the rest of your life, whether you win, whether you lose that moment with your, your team that you've spent, you know, the last three seasons with two seasons with it, it's one of those things that you'll forever be a part of. And it's really unfortunate that to be able to position yourself and specifically for Malik Murphy to have a brighter future, this is what the, the, the route has to be to go visit while uh, your team is still contending for a national title. So it makes sense, and it is unfortunate, but I think it's, it, it goes to show the person that he is that all of his teammates were essentially like, go get it. Like, we want you to go, you know, be the best that you can be wherever that might be. Let me ask you this. Uh, this is a good question from Chip Hale with Super Chat. What team did Washington play this year that close, most closely resembles Texas? Mm. Um, did they play a, an offense? Maybe Arizona from an offensive perspective, right? Yeah. Uh, Arizona scored 24 against them. The, Texas doesn't have a running quarterback, and or uh, Arizona didn't have a running quarterback. Oregon had a running quarterback, so I don't, mm -hmm. I don't count them. Maybe an Oregon State, maybe an Oregon State. Yeah, kind of similar. Yeah, um, you know, just like Texas, uh, Washington in in the latter part of their regular season schedule had a series of three games. Uh, right, right in a row that were one score games. Yeah. Uh, they played, they beat Utah 35 to 28. The next week they beat Oregon state 22 to 20. And then the next week after that, they beat Washington state 24, 21. So these teams, even though Washington is 13 and 0, they didn't have this, 
They didn't just run over everybody. Um, and so keep that in mind. 35-28 versus Utah, 22-20 versus Oregon State, 24-21 in consecutive weeks to finish the regular season. They kind of limped into the, the Pac-12 championship game, although I will add they dominant. I thought they played a dominant type yeah. game against Oregon in the in the uh, in the uh, Pac-12 championship game. Um, all right, uh, Ashton Holloman, I think he's asking about D'Alen Evans here, uh, CJ. Uh, is D'Alen announcing today? Why would it be for AM he after he already committed to them? Here's the the reality: he could sign his paperwork today, and that could be it. Um, he has paperwork, by the way, from both teams. So not only AM, but also Texas. Uh, we will see exactly what he does. But uh, look, he could just be confirming his commitment or affirming it. Uh, or he could be, I mean, look, he could even, if he wanted to, decide not to sign anywhere and wait until February. Uh, right now, I think it's a toss-up between the Longhorns and the Aggies. Uh, we'll see which way that ha- that goes uh, as of right now. Um, CJ, you have any feel for the D.A. and Evans commitment or what he is as a player? You want to add anything to that? No, he's a very exciting prospect. You know, we've talked about the athleticism, the explosiveness. Uh, We showed the clip earlier this morning on coffee and football of him dunking doing the 360. You know, that's one of those things that you look at for defensive linemen, especially how well can you get off the ball? How well can you explode towards the line of scrimmage? That's what Dalen Evans brings to the table. And, you know, I thought his comments that were made public by 24-7 Sports the other day were pretty uh, pretty interesting. You know, how often do you hear a kid committed to Texas call Oklahoma his dream school or, you know, vice versa? We heard that with Dalen Evans. You know, he basically came out and said, I'm committed to AM, but, man, I've always wanted to go to Texas. Like, that was my dream school since I was young, since I was growing up. I've always had an affinity towards watching that football team, that football program, for whatever the reason. I, I'm, no, I'm not committed there, but for – I love them, basically. I, I'm a, That's my dream school. So that's interesting. That, you know, kind of piques my interest. But at the same time, and Bobby, you've been around recruiting long, longer than I have, but sometimes you see those smoke screens and, you know, sometimes you, you... – Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Delusion is is one of those things and, you know, it's like being out in the desert and you see, uh, you know, a body of water way out there, just get there and it's more piles of sand. So I don't know. I, I think it's some one of those things that obviously very interesting and in, in telling that he said it, but you can't take his his that for, uh, you know, to be set in stone, basically. Yep. Um, here's a question uh, from Russell. Is Savian Red in the portal? I had assumed he would move on given how stacked 
that running back room will be next year. He has not entered the portal. Um, in fact, here are the guys that have entered the portal for Texas. Malik Murphy, uh, the quarterback. Isaiah Nayor, the wide receiver. Larry Turner Gooden, the safety. Xavion Bryce, uh, the cornerback. Jalen Catalan, the safety. Sawyer Gorham Welch, the offensive lineman. B.J. Allen, the safety. And Casey Kane, uh, uh, the wide receiver. A couple of notes. I believe Allen and Bryce have both committed to North Texas. Is that, I believe that's accurate. Um, then you also have uh, young man Casey Kane has committed to UNLV, which is the home currently of his former wide receiver coach, Brendan Marion, who's, who is the uh, offensive coordinator there. Um, of this group, we mentioned there are three that are still practicing with the team uh, that CJ mentioned the other day. Casey Kane remains one of them despite his commit to UNLV. He can still practice with the team. He just won't be eligible until next uh, next semester at UNLV. Uh, then Sawyer Gorham Welch, a backup offensive lineman who has already graduated, graduated. So he's actually going to be a graduate transfer uh, in the portal. And then Larry Turner Gooden, young man uh, out of California originally, has decided to do that. Go ahead. Yeah, Larry Turner Gooden is actually committed to San Jose State as well. So another one who has you know plans to, to venture out elsewhere, but will be sticking with the team, as you mentioned, Bobby, uh, and, and will be prepping for the bowl game this week, uh, this upcoming week. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because uh, we know today players left, had their final practice before breaking for Christmas. Uh, then they'll come back uh, on Christmas night. So Monday night, players will return to campus and then the team leaves for New Orleans on the 27th. Uh, so they'll leave for New Orleans on Wednesday, uh, get down there and try to get going uh, and get used to uh, the Super Superdome uh, turf. I, I'm not sure exactly where Texas will be practicing uh, on the week leading up to it, uh, but be aware of that. Coming back, players coming back Christmas night after having Christmas with their, with their family and then heading to New Orleans. Uh, as a team on Wednesday. Uh, all right, uh, this is the Longhorn live stream on uh, third on Friday afternoon. Uh, each and every Friday, we get together. It's sponsored by Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to get into the franchise game in the new year, want to own your own business, uh, make sure you give Andy Ludicky a shout. Uh, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net is his email address, or calling 404-973-9901. Andy has this great system where he takes you through a Q&A portion. Uh, then he puts all the information into a computer. And then it spits out four or five big-time businesses that might be good for you and your family. Uh, it all depends on how much money you want to try to spend to get into it. Or if it's zero, maybe it's zero. If it's a lot, you can spend. Maybe get into something different. Or uh, if it's how much time you have. If you just want this as a side business for yourself. Uh, give them a shout at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, all right, let's keep going here, CJ, if you don't mind. we got some time for some more questions and concerns. Uh, this is from Todd Lacey. How the Texas defense handles the first-half loss of Derek Williams will largely determine how this game plays out, in my opinion. I have confidence in the Texas offense to move the ball. Uh, first of all, answer that question, but repeat what you said at the outside uh, outset of this chat for people that did not hear it about Jade Barron and what he's doing uh, this, uh, this off season or this time between now and the uh, sugar bowl. 
Yeah, with Derek Williams set to miss the first half of the Washington game due to targeting against Oklahoma State. Jade Barron, you know, the the star, star, you know, that, that's fun to say, but uh, the, the star defensive back for Texas has been getting uh, reps at safety this week in practice. You know, one of those rotational things, should someone go down in that first half, Texas will need an emergency safety. And, you know, who better than the versatile Jade Barron to step in? Obviously, like you mentioned, Bobby has gotten reps uh, and, you know, very valuable, meaningful game time this year at cornerback as well. So the versatility will be on display. And, you know, the, the football IQ is something that has obviously jumped off the page this year when watching Barron. Uh, a transition to safety is in the works and is one of those emergency factors that Texas is, you know, not willing to play around with, with uh, Derek Williams sideline for the first half. That, that all makes sense to me. All right, let's keep going uh, here. We got more questions and more concerns, more thoughts. Uh, a lot of questions about scholarship numbers of late CJ. Uh, you and I, I've tried to put pencil to them yesterday and the day before. And really, I think that, that uh, this is a fair question but also an unfair question. I mean, that, that's, I get where Chris is going. I get why people want to know. Chris asks, with today's numbers of commits, players in the portal, and players expected to leave, NFL or no eligibility, how close are we to the limit on number of scholarship players? The answer is they would be over right now, but there's going to be attrition that we know of. I mean, how else do you – uh, but we don't know how much. I mean, they could end up being under at the end of it. Right. And so that's that's where it's at, Chris. I mean, because you're you're talking about guys, JT, JT Sanders. I'll give you an example. What if he comes back? Well, you got to have room for him. That's why they're not going after a portal tight end right now. They're waiting to see exactly what happens. And so you have a number of players that are like that. But even with Sanders, he's a 75-25 guy going to the pros according to the person that would likely be his representation when he does go pro so my point being uh, we can talk about this uh, and there are all kinds of permutations i think that's a fair uh, assessment the reality of it is, is that that we just it is you know every for every answer there's an if you know if this happens then that and i just I, I think it's hard. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? I mean, clearly Sark and, and his guys, Billy Glasscock, the director of player personnel, have a, a steady handle on this, right, CJ? Absolutely. And I think this goes back to, you know, the exit interviews that Texas had with a few players, you know, after the regular season finale against Oklahoma State. So that's one of those things that, you know, they have an idea of who they expect to leave and come back. You know, obviously there is some – some fluidity when it comes to the NFL guys and what their decision might entail. Obviously, Quinn Ewers, uh, you know, Ryan Watts is on the fence, JT Sanders, as you mentioned. Um, but it's one of those things. I think at the end of the year, it's only fair to assume that, you know, four or five guys might also enter the portal, uh, you know, to depart for brighter, greener grass for their playing career. Texas is only at nine portal uh, entrants so far. When you look at Texas A&M, who's up to 15, Oklahoma's at 14, it makes sense for that kind of number to be what you expect for teams on a year basis, I, I would say. So to only be at nine, obviously still fighting for the bigger picture in a national championship, that's going to help these numbers. But at the conclusion of the season, there remains to be some movement and that I think we can expect to see. A lot of, lot of different pieces still yet to fall. I mean, we, I, I looked at it and I did a, a quick math and I think there could be five to six more players in the portal uh, and then five to six more 
or three to five more that declare for the NFL draft that are outside of the Xavier Worthy realm that that actually are in Byron Murphy, who we already know are going pro, right? Yep. Uh, we'll see how that that goes. Uh, so you're you're talking about 25 to 30 guys all in, or 20 to 30, 25 guys all in on top of the eight that have already left. You know, so that, that it's a it's a strange number. Chris had another good question here. All of the position groups, in his opinion, have improved since Sark's year one. But if you had to single out a specific position group most responsible for UT's improvement from five and seven to twelve and one, which group would it be? I think there are two. Yeah, I think quarterback. They Texas. I mean, no offense to Hudson Card and Casey Thompson, but they just didn't have a quarterback that first year. Uh, with Sark. I mean, not one that could really run Sark's offense. Uh, Quinn has even improved from this year, right, from last year to this year. And then the other piece of it would be the defensive uh, defensive line. I mean, those guys, some of them just came of age, but they also got the edge position kind of solidified. That first year at edge when Jacoby Jones went down, nobody else could play the position. And so Texas just got run on like nobody's business in the second half. You, what, what do you think? What are the position or two that you think of uh, just come on so well, CJ? No, I'm with you on both of those. The one that I would actually go go with is the offensive line. You know, a big reason why Texas didn't have, you know, consistent play that first year at quarterback was because, well, I mean, they were getting planted in the dirt almost every play, you know. Uh, I, I think it was the Iowa State game really late in that year when Casey Thompson goes down and, uh, you know, Maybe it was West Virginia. It was late in the season. Hudson Card is asked to come in uh, for an injured Casey Thompson. He's already banged up as well with a bum ankle. And, you know, the two guys, when you look at their jerseys, they're, they're amongst the, the dirtiest on the roster. So the the improvement from the offensive line helps the entire offense in my eyes. It certainly allows for a talented quarterback like Quinn to start thriving once he gets the hang of the speed of the game, as we've seen over the last two seasons as well. And we've obviously seen – the progression and the consistency in the run game with Jonathan Brooks, Jaden Blue, uh, C.J. Baxter, that whole group this year, even with the departure of Roshan and Bijan from a year ago. That's maintained, what, uh, at least to me, a pretty high standard of, of running the football for Texas. I, you know, I, I, could, I could add that. I would agree. I mean, you don't forget the first spring training for Sark, he had nine offensive linemen on scholarship <laughs> total. Couldn't even play a spring Crazy. game. A real spring game because of that. Uh, all right, uh, this one from River Arts Art Society. Any word on Coach Choate's replacement? Anyone who can help recruit top 10 in-state kids? You know, I've talked about uh, Colton Swan, the linebackers coach at Utah. Uh, that was a, a name given to me uh, prior to prior uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, and then there's also others. Um, Derek Johnson, don't be surprised. If he doesn't get an interview, I really believe that. I mean, That'd if he awesome. wants to get back in coaching, uh, the former Longhorn All-American could be a great choice. Uh, there are other guys uh, out there as well. I don't necessarily know, even though the the uh, even though it's been posted on the website, uh, the uh, employment website that they're talking about uh, a linebackers coach and an assistant coach, assistant linebackers coach, essentially. I will say this. I, I don't think that Steve Sarkeesian has to make this decision today. Now, he might try. He might try to make it in the right in the new year after uh, Texas is uh, finished with the college football playoff 
But I just don't see him thinking that he has to do that before. He didn't feel rushed to get Chris John, uh, Chris Jackson last year, CJ. Right. Well, All right. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Bobby, if if you are Sarkeesian and you are set to make this decision, obviously we've seen it with Chris Jackson and the really kind of the mentality of getting a NFL-ready developer at the position rather than a star recruiter. Is linebacker another spot that you kind of see that same approach uh, being valuable for that defense? And worked with Jeff Choate. I mean, nobody made nobody said Jeff Choate was going to be an A plus plus recruiter, you know. Absolutely. Uh, but Sark Sark and him uh, tag teamed and got Anthony Hill, mm-hmm. right? I think Sark sees his coaches as developers as much as recruiters, and I think that's really a big piece of it. I really, I really do. Um, and so, while it's nice that you have Tashard Choice on your staff that clearly can do both, you know what I mean. I think that he's more concerned about the product he puts on the field. Yeah. And that's really where it comes comes those assistant coaches have a big piece of the puzzle there. Uh and you know what? I another thing another positive is the, the continuity on the staff that Sark's been able to create uh and uh, cultivate. I, I really believe that. All right, a uh, couple of more questions. We've got time for a couple more questions uh, before we get going here this uh, afternoon, uh, December 22nd. Matthew Koshin if we had to choose between Foster, Evans, and McKinley, who would we take? And I would just say, why do we have to choose? <laughs> I mean, this is one of those, like, I, I know you want the opinions. I like them all differently. Um, I like Evans as the most, the best interior guy, like a true interior guy. I mean, he's six foot four and a half, 260 pounds, can 360 dunk and sh- toss the shot, but 60 foot. He is a Tavondre Sweat starter kid because that's essentially yeah. what Tavondre Sweat was in high school. So y'all can talk about all this other stuff, but you add 75, 100 pounds to him in a good way, you're talking about a potential first-round draft pick. Uh, Alex Foster is as raw as raw gets out of Greenville, Mississippi. But as I was told by somebody that was on campus this week, past weekend, he is going to be a huge person in three or four years. Like, Big time NFL, huge. He's already six five and a half, two fifty five. Wow, he's got a chance. Dom McKinley is the highest rated of that group, um, and he is more like an Alfred Collins type of player. Uh, you agree with that, CJ? Yeah, I think there's versatility to, to his game that you can slide from the one tech to the three out to the five, uh, and that's certainly something that we've seen utilized with Bo Davis in that defensive front with, you know, even Tavondre Sweat at times lining up as a seven tack all the way out there and kind of playing as that uh, edge protect, even, you know, quarterback contain guy, which is crazy to even mention. Uh, Bobby, I thought it was kind of funny. You mentioned, you know, once you get these guys on campus, all you got to do is add a measly, you know, 100 pounds and they're a first rounder. But no, I, I think the development and the upside for all three is very encouraging. And as long as Texas adds at least one, you have to be thrilled. You're already happy with what you have in this interior defensive line class. But adding one more of the guys that we just mentioned, and man, that's an all time haul right there for Bo Davis. All right. Uh, this one from Cotton coming in. Wait, what recruits waiting till February to sign would be numbers busters for UT? There's at least two of them that we know of, right? Yeah, no, I mean, well, Dominic McKinley and Alex Foster of that group are pushing back. Terry Bussey also pushing back. Uh, that'll be something to watch, obviously, with Aaron Butler, you know, kind of Texas making a late push there. What will happen if, you know, he opts to go to Washington instead of Texas? Do they circle back around for Terry Bussey? I guess we'll see, but 
you know, right now, those are the names that come to mind. Uh, De'Allen Evans, it looks like a uh, decision's coming, you know, late this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think they're going to have to wait for Evans if he keeps to what we're thinking right now. Uh, just to recap, uh, we got a time for one or two more questions, but I want to recap what we announced at the start. Uh, CJ saying Jade Barron, uh, the Texas star position, working out our cross training, I guess, is the best way to say, at safety uh, for uh, the Washington game. Could just be precautionary because Derek Williams is out for the first half. Uh, then also from a recruiting perspective, we're waiting on Aaron Butler, the wide receiver out of Calabasas, California. He's said to be looking at between Washington and Texas, Arizona. Uh, his dad didn't mention them yesterday. Some people still think they may be a little bit in it. Uh, I, I was told that Butler was 50-50 this morning between Texas and Washington. D'Alen Evans out of Longview Pine Tree. We're waiting for him. Uh, he We expect his decision later this afternoon. Uh, Texas and Texas A&M going head to head. He's been an Aggie commitment for more than a year, uh, yep. CJ. So uh, it's going to be a tough one for the Longhorns, tough hill for the Longs, Longhorns to climb, but perhaps they get there. And then we're also waiting for UTSA transfer portal uh, prospect, uh, Trey Moore, uh, a defensive end edge rusher that had 14 and a half sacks for the Roadrunners. He's down to Texas and Alabama. We expect that decision Maybe on over the weekend, but definitely before thanks, definitely before Christmas uh, at this point in time. That's a recap of the news that we have for you guys uh, as of right now. Um, I'm going to ask this and, and try to see this. I talk, Mr. Talk Too Much had this to say. I, I, I like it. Going into the SEC, quality depth is a must. And guys have to understand that plays, we were talking about how many plays would Trey Moore take away from somebody. Plays have to be made when your number's called because more than likely someone else on the team can get it done if you don't. Yeah, that's that's like a coach's dream, yeah. right? I mean, that, that's what he's describing is literally, you know, if you can't get it done, someone else can. And survival of the fittest, that's typically the best teams. It's not when you can have pikers on the team just trying to ride the ride it out and be done with it. You have to have producers on the yeah. best teams. I mean, we're seeing it right now at the running back position. You know, your star running back Jonathan Brooks shows down to injury, and what's Jaden Blue and C.J. Baxter do? Just, you know, step in and run for 100 yards apiece in back-to-back -back weeks. So I think right now that's kind of the, the gold standard in terms of talent and depth at a position at Texas currently. That's where Texas is striving to get to, and we're seeing it in, in, in pieces. Obviously, cornerback has been impressive this year in terms of the – uh, kind of emergence of some of these young guys and obviously the addition of Gavin Holmes uh, from the portal. So we'll see. We'll see. But that, like you said, I think that's the coach's dream. And that's exactly what you strive to do in terms of each position on the field. All right. This is going to be the last question of the day uh, of the afternoon. Emmanuel Villafranca, what two to four freshmen do you predict will get some playing time next next season? I think it's going to be more like 10 to 15. We'll get some <laughs> playing time because of special teams. But two or four primaries, in your opinion, CJ? I think, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned Jelani McDonald a lot. I'm not sure where he fits on that. No, side. no, I think he's talking about true freshmen. Oh, true freshmen. Okay, okay. Guys okay. Signed. okay I, then Emmanuel, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it that, even if that's not what you meant, bud. Well, two, or, two to four true freshmen that just signed. Yeah, no, I've, off the top of my head, I mean, Colin Simmons will be in a rotation somewhere on the defensive end line. Uh, it, it just makes sense. He gets to the quarterback. Uh, one of those guys who 
regardless of size, has the speed, has the athleticism, has the bend to get to the quarterback, and Texas needs that. Obviously, we talked about Trey Moore taking snaps away from guys. Colin Simmons is another. Xavier feels to me, I think we both, you know, kind of come around to this one, is Texas in that secondary, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of production departing, and a lot of guys already have departed. There's going to be uh, room for Texas to rotate in at safety, and Xavier feels to me off the jump is that number one guy that comes to mind to make me think, all right, he's got a shot. And then obviously Ryan Wingo as well. I think Texas, you know, like we said, losing production, losing guys out of the rotation, there will be an opportunity for him to jump in right away and see some snaps, see some targets. I don't think he'll be a starter immediately. I think that's a hard thing to do in a Sarkeesian offense. Uh, Xavier Worthy, obviously one of the rare ones who had to do it almost out of a necessity more than, you know, is he ready per se? Obviously did pretty well, but Ryan Wingo is certainly in that conversation as well to get on the field very early. All right. Uh, I went with Wingo, Phil Simi, Simmons, and Alex January. Love it. Those, those are mine. I, I think that uh, Texas needs one of these young defensive linemen uh, to be ready to play. All right. That's going to do it uh, for this afternoon's live stream uh, by On Texas Football, brought to you folks by uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net. We appreciate Andy Ludicky and his team uh, and their sponsor, ongoing sponsorship of On Texas Football. All right, CJ, drive safely to Dallas, my man. Everybody else that's getting in the car or leaving work late uh, before the holiday weekend, uh, we appreciate you. Be, please be safe out there. Uh, for CJ Vogel, I'm Bobby Burton. Merry Christmas and hook them. <laughs>